You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. What's up, creeps? And welcome to a brand new Brain Stew Fresh Frights Review. I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I'm B-Ratty. B-Ratty-Tat, bitch. <laughs> and this week we are talking about a brand new horror thriller from Blumhouse, The Black Phone, directed by Scott Derrickson. A long-awaited release since it was delayed for some reason. It was supposed to come out in March of this year, but luckily we had all three of us actually got the opportunity to see an advanced screening last night. B-Ratty, yeah, your first advanced screening, right? Right. Yeah, my first one up here in... Uh in Boston. It was, oh my God. You got some stories, right? So (laughs) I was like, I'm just going to get there early and get some dinner beforehand. I was off yesterday, but dinner, you mean, you mean getting drunk, right? I mean, I was probably going to have like one or five drinks and I was like, ah, it's like an hour drive. It's, you know, opposite traffic. It's whatever. So the screening was at seven. I wanted to be in line by six. I aimed to get into Boston at five, got there at five, parked, Walked past the theater to check it out, and there's already a line going out the door. And I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> but, like, there's a lot of homeless people up here in Boston, so I couldn't tell. if, Like, honestly, I could not tell if it was Were you walking by people. being like, are you here for the black phone, or are you just homeless? Thank you very much. <laughs> Can I get I in said, front of you? do you have permanent housing, or do you have temporary housing? Uh, <laughs> so I walked by this woman sitting on the ground, and I said, are you guys here for the movie tonight? And she said... Yeah, but there's also people for the other movie. And I was like, okay, are you here for Black Phone? And she said, yeah, but th- there's also people from Elvis. And I was like, okay, I don't really give a fuck about that. So I skipped dinner and just got in line at 5 o'clock. And I thought I was going to be fine. I was like, it's a little toasty out here. I got shorts on. It's fine. I'm going to sweat my balls off. But I'm like 15th in line. And you guys know how it goes with every fucking line. There's somebody holding a spot for somebody else. And in this case, it was like everybody in front of me was holding a spot for five other people. So then all of a sudden I went from like 15th to like 40th. Anyways, this dude next to me, I was texting you guys about it last night. His name's Tommy. Oh, here we I go. The so let Tommy. me let me describe this guy to you. He is about 5'8". He's maybe late 50s, early 60s. Uh, he had a Hawaiian shirt on, cargo shorts flip-flops that I could see that the toe on his right foot, the big toe, was completely, like, peeled off and exposed. I mean, outside of the toe, it sounds like he's into being comfortable. Right. Uh, he repeatedly pulled out his phone to talk to people, and I don't know how he, like, did not cut his fingers on this phone. It looked like he had, like, just smashed it against a wall on purpose. Anyways, he's talking to all these people that come up, which I don't know what what their issues were, but they had some issues, clearly. And at one point, he's telling everybody how he amassed 14,000 Twitter followers Ooh. and was giving everybody the That's rundown, the, the, the 101 on how to get Twitter followers. He said, I get between 100 and 150 new followers a day, but I don't accept anybody unless they friend me first. And somebody said, oh, do you think maybe any of those are bots? And he was like, no, no bots try to get on my account. 
was like, all right. So then the best part was he had maybe three people in front of him talking to him. And this one other guy who was another older gentleman was getting bored with the conversation and started walking away. And Tommy goes, hey, and snaps at him and goes, this is your problem, man. This is your ADHD or whatever it is, but I've tried to help you enough times already. I'm done helping you. You just don't listen and you're never going to learn because of it. I was like, what the fuck? Hopefully you, you told this guy about the show so he tunes in and listens to this and oh, he gets yeah. to hear so us talk said, all about him. Everybody, of course, was coming up to me and being like, oh, like, you know, where are you from? Why are you here? I was like, to see a movie. Did you tell them that you're star. from Mennonite school? <laughs> we didn't We didn't get it. I came from Mennonite uh, school today. And Tommy looks at me and he's like, oh, where are you from? And I said, oh, you know, I'm from Virginia, but moved to Worcester and... Now, you know, I'm part of Epic Film Guys, Brain Stew, check us out on Twitter. He's like, yeah, I don't really follow anybody unless they follow me first. So, um, mm, fancy, you know, you got, and I was like, well, I guess I can tell, you know, Justin to follow you. And he was like, yeah, like I said earlier, I get like a hundred, 150 new followers a day. So like, don't, don't get all upset if like, I don't follow you back. Like it's, it's a long process. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. So then this dude behind me, I think his name was Vlad. He fucking starts talking name. about movies. He's not yeah. Vlad from like the Vlad hip hop interviews on YouTube, was it? No. So uh, he's Vlad, the event organizer from Massachusetts. I guess that's and... better than the Impaler. <laughs> Is it? Is it really? <laughs> no, I prefer not. the Impaler. Yeah. No, it's not. Impaler's way cooler. So there's this other woman, Maureen. Prescott. Elderly lady. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> she kept calling me Grady, but she kept referring to me as her friend Grady. Hello, Grady. And I was like, oh, it's actually Brady. And so she looks at Vlad and says, oh, what's your name? And he said, oh, I'm Vlad. And she said, oh, where are you from? And he said, I'm from here. What do you think? And she was like, oh, I just meant like, are you from like Boston? Are you from like Worcester? Like, are you coming far from this movie? He was like, oh, I thought you meant because of my name. And she was like, no. And then she stopped talking to him. So then he talks to me about movies. Yeah, I've been trying to get out to these. Um, And then you were stuck. You were trapped. I hate those conversations, man. Yep. So I said, oh, cool. Well, like, what movies have you been excited for this year? Because, like, this is really high on my list. He was like, oh, you know, not a lot. I was like, what's the last one you saw? And he was like, "Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. And I was like, oh, man, I loved that movie. What'd you think? He's like, "Uh, mm, I just, it was little issues with the editing, I thought. And I said, oh, like, what do you mean? He's like, just could have shaped like 30 minutes off of it. You know what? I got I to I stop you there. I fucking hate when people say that. People say that all of the time. And yep. they typically say it about movies that they there actually is no fat to cut from the bone. Yeah. Um, particularly the film we're going to be talking about in a few minutes here, The Black Phone. But people will say that if if they didn't like everything in the movie or if they got bored, but that doesn't mean that there's anything to cut from it. You know what I mean? Like I get it if a movie's like four hours long, but everything everywhere was a really tight runtime. So, yep. um, So I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, I really enjoyed (laughs) the movie. It's, you know, pretty high up there for me this year already. He was like, yeah, yeah. It was just the runtime. And I said, Oh, so you just have an issue with, with the runtime. And he said, yeah, I said editing. And I said, oh, well, it could have been editing. I was like, it could have been like editing of like scenes or how they cut. But cool. I was like, I just, you know, wanted to know. And he said, yeah, the other one that really disappointed me was the Batman. And I said, oh, man, that's kind of tough because that's like top tier for me this year, too. And he said, yeah, I just don't think that you can do a movie where you ground a comic book character. 
You know, it just doesn't work. They're comic book characters. And I said, oh. And I said, I'm a huge Batman fan. He said, yeah, so am I. And I said, what's your favorite Batman movie? And he said, The Dark Knight. Oh, no I was shit. like, isn't really? that pretty grounded? And he was like, yeah, but Nolan just knows how to walk that line. And well, said, it sounds right. like, Brady, your first experience waiting in line for an advanced God, screening was quite eventful. Booster. Very oh. entertaining and enjoyable. And then we sat in a shitty AMC theater. Ugh. So, yep. 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 Well, that's kind of where we do these things. But a positive note, thank you, Blumhouse. Bloom. For- Dude, I gotta I gotta say real quick, the intro, like the new uh like Blumhouse title card before yeah. the movie oh, was yeah, you missed it because you were taking your first of three P's during the movie. Um yeah. <laughs> but I said, is that Michael Myers? Dude, yeah, it starts it starts with Michael Myers like behind a tree in the woods and then it like pans out and then it like goes to like Inside of the house, and there's like people from the purge, and then it's like oh, Bloom House. Also, oh, they're pulling a Marvel then yeah, by putting all their yeah. popular characters. It's in cool, the intro. man. I like okay, it. Though. Cool. I liked it. That's it was, awesome. But it still retains like that original like Bloom House um, feel, where it's like the house, the room turning upside yeah. down. So that was pretty cool. I liked it a lot. That's the first thing when you came back from peeing the first time of three times. The, the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, and, and I can hear the movie from the bathroom usually, yeah. so it's not like I'm really missing anything, okay? I knew the intro was coming and whatever, and there was a, a commercial before it. Real quick, before we get into the movie, is there a strategy to how you time your pees when you go to see a movie? Me? Like, because once you break the seal, like, it's done. Uh, I mean, I had pissed right just before go, like, I went as- in, and then... When my body tells me, Brady, that it needs to go, I go. Do you do you, you know? do well, you like, do it like do you go pee, Justin, during the movie the moment you have to pee, or is, do you wait until it's a moment of desperation? Of like, honestly, that's, pee, a, that's a great question. Pee, pee is great coming question. right now. Uh, depends on the movie. You probably don't remember since you told me yesterday you don't remember shit, and I actually accurate, believe it. All accurate information. But when we saw the Batman. I actually had to piss like the last hour and a half of that movie and I didn't piss during it. I like actually sat there. Do you put your hand in your pocket and literally like squeeze the tip squeeze of your penis? Your <laughs> <laughs> I do that in the car. Uh, just I cut it off. <laughs> you know what? Punch I should it. just get one of those bags the old people use. I should just get one of those. The little Mommy, what's that guy doing? He's just really enjoying the bags. <laughs> Don't watch. I'm relieving myself. Uh, and that's not never planned. I, you know, unfortunately it's always the fact that <laughs> I drink at least something before I go in and I should, so, I should be smarter about that. This but. brings me to another story about my dad who we all know and love on the oh, show. Oh God. Uh, and when I was like 13 or 14, the Bourne ultimatum came out and he was a huge, like Jason Bourne fan. So he got us tickets to go see it one night and it had been out for like three or four weeks already. So nobody was going anymore. And he had to piss midway through the movie. So he looks over to me and says, hey, are you done with your drink? And I said, no fucking I way. Said, yeah, I'm done. And he said, cool. And he took it and just unzipped his pants and started peeing in the cup. Come on. The theater. Don't bullshit me. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was a moment again where I was like, maybe my dad's not like. And then dads. midway through the movie, Brady forgot and took a drink of his dad's piss in the cup. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, Brady, when he when he when he would pull it out, did you look? That's the I'd question. already seen his dick at this point. <laughs> I know, but I didn't need to did look. You I knew get what it looked glance? like. See, now we're getting all weird here. And we're talking about a movie that deals with fucking child abduction and child abuse and shit. Uh, I wish I and, and here we have Brady, who was abused as a child. Dude, this this movie had one of the most difficult scenes that felt like it was never going to end ever to watch. Like to where, like, you know, having kids, uh, specifically daughters. And watching this specific scene that I know that we're going to get into was so fucking hard to watch that I was like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this movie, man. If this is the vibe and this is, 
if this is the avenue that they're going for like multiple scenes of this movie, I was going to be out. Thankfully, it was one. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get into that. But I just wanted to throw yeah, that well, out early, man. Yeah, I mean, jump into Brady, it right now. For, no, for real. Uh, before our audience is confused, those that are uninitiated, unaware, if you could tell them what this movie is all about. Yeah. So the black phone is. Why does it got to be black? Uh, Okay, well, you know, the the devoid of color phone. Gotcha. Um, hashtag color brave. You know, uh, since black's not a color, it's just a value anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's based off a short story by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, that was written about 2004. Shaking my head. Uh, you haven't... Hashtag fuck Stephen King. <laughs> Come on, man. It's Joe Hill. It doesn't even have the same last name. He came from him. Probably because of you. He was like, oh, man, I can't. He's like, my can't. dad's a dick. He was a dick to Jeremy. I'm going to go by Joe Hill from now on. Yep, sorry, it's Joe Hill. Um, I also I wish my dad was Stephen King because maybe I wouldn't have seen so many penises in my life. Anyways, <laughs> Black Phone follows this Denver town, and five kids have been abducted by somebody that they've called the Grabber, and nobody knows where he is, but everybody reports that uh, it's a man in somewhat of a clown costume, and there are black balloons at the scene of the crime. So, young boy Finney is a bullied kid, very smart kid, but can't stand up for himself, uh, gets abducted as the sixth kid, and the movie follows his struggle to get his freedom and fight against the grabber while his sister finds out her um, special powers that seem to be given down from her mom where she tries to find him too and lead the cops to him. Uh, and that's pretty much it in a nutshell. It it honestly feels like a Stephen King story, like, and that's got to suck for, for Joe Hill as, as a writer and as an author. You know, obviously, he doesn't go by Joe King because he wants to branch out on his own. And he doesn't want to live in the shadow of his dad because he himself is a very talented writer. But, I mean, you can't deny that this had some some flair of Stephen King in it without a doubt. Dude, there's a fucking scene where somebody, a kid is in a yellow rain jacket. Yeah. And there's and the said, balloons right. and, yeah. Yeah. But no, I get what you're saying. I think like you can look at it as like he he homages his dad's work a lot, um, and it but it does feel like there are scenes in this that you're like, all right, this is like Stephen King if he wrote Stranger Things, dude, absolutely in his coked out if, face. If this was a Stephen King story, you'd be like, yes, this this makes sense because this feels like a Stephen King story. You know, he's a he's a chip yeah. off the old block, man. It it this is the first thing that I've seen of Joe Hill's. I have I never got into Nosferatu um, that was on AMC or like any of the other stuff that he's done that's been adapted. Which Lock and Key. Lock and, uh, you know what? I, I saw an episode of Lock and Key and I was like, yeah, I'm out. Um, just wasn't, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't for me. So this is the first thing that I've seen of, of Joe Hill that I was like, man, this is, this is, this was, you know. And I'm well, pretty we sure were, you uh, said you, you weren't even aware that it was a, a I Joe wasn't, thing, dude. Right? I, I had yeah, no yeah. idea until the, the the pre-credits when it was like Joe Hill. And I was like, oh shit, I had I had no idea. I dude, I've I didn't No, don't lie. You yelled at the screen, fuck Stephen King, that, that motherfucker. Said, fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> dude, I, I did no research on this movie whatsoever. I don't think I even watched a trailer for it, to be honest. Dude, that's perfect. So what are your like initial thoughts going coming out of it? So I I went into this, you know, with with a lot of the positive word of mouth thinking like, yeah, I'm probably going to like this movie. And I mean, my initial thoughts coming out of it was uh, it's one of the best things that's come out horror wise in theaters in a very long time. I I feel like this movie did not hold back. It was tense. It was creepy. It was offensive at times, hard to watch at times. I mean, this when you're fucking killing kids in a movie. 
all bets are off. The gloves are off. I mean, that's that's sacred. You know what I mean? It, it's once you go down the avenue of like, I'm just fucking killing kids in this movie. It's like, all right, well, nobody is safe. Literally, nobody is safe. So, yeah. man, walking out of it, I was like, man, this 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 hit all the marks for me. I've okay. I've first thing I did this morning was make a a post urging people to go and see this movie because so often horror fans complain that there's no originality in the movie theaters and what's and, with all the remakes and the reboots, yeah, man? And the quality of the movies that we get in theaters or they're PG thirteen, they suck. You know, this is this is it, man. This it doesn't get much creepier than this. It's a nail biter had me on the edge of my seat there were legitimate creepy ass things the sound design in this fucking movie dude justin you Wonderful. were sitting next to me holy shit i know you were focused on the left speaker that was fucked up in the theater <laughs> yeah listen regal majestic I'm, I'm talking to your management this weekend to advise you that that left speaker in the front yeah it's crackling constantly dude justin so, justin need to switch their browser. justin pointed at that speaker he's like you hear that shit it's like yep <laughs> He's like, Jeremy's like, I do now. Uh, yep. At first I thought it was a sound effect, and I'm like, no, it's every scene. Dude, the sound design in the movie. There was several scenes that almost made me jump out of my seat just because the sound design was brilliant. They weren't jump scares. It was literally just the sound, man. I I loved this. I feel like the grabber, you know, could be a horror icon because the looks, I mean, me and Justin discussed this walking out of the theater. Well, first of all, Tom Savini did the masks for the movie, so that's... Some nice horror pedigree right there. But the grabber has a different mask for whatever mood he's in at the time. If he's feeling happy and giving, like, you know, oh, I'm going to bring this kid that I've abducted a plate full of eggs because I've starved him for two days. But I feel happy about giving him these eggs and a Sprite. He's got this smiley face on. He's like, hey, I got you. I got you breakfast. And he's so fucking creepy that the kid was like, did you did you drug the eggs? And he's like. I've already got you. You're already here. You can't go anywhere. Why would, why would I drug you? Line. Why would I oh, drug I you? That. I've already got you. So like he's got this smiley devil face thing on and it's terrifying, man. And then when he starts to lose his patience because he wants Finn to play a game that Finn has been advised by the spirits of the other dead children. Don't go upstairs. He wants you to play a game. The grabber starts to get impatient, and he's he, now he's wearing a, a mask with a frown on it because he's unhappy because he wants to play the game Naughty Boy. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing, man. It's uh, Ethan Hawke's performance, too. You don't see his face for 99% of this movie, and he's the only name, realistically, in this movie. I love that. I, no, you're right. I mean, he is literally the only name in the entire movie. And I mean, the budget for the movie was $18 million as of right now, Jeremy. It's estimated it's going to make nine million opening, so that's great for a movie with an eighteen million dollar budget. Um, and thank you, I will always thank you for doing this. So this is something that more and more of us should be doing if we're seeing these movies early, especially horror movies, because we need these lesser known projects, these non tentpole movies, to be mentioned for people to be aware they're good and they should be seen in theaters. Uh, I guess I'll just hop on with my initial thoughts yeah. on this shit because I was peeing. While Brady was talking. So of course you fucking were. <laughs> I swear to God, I'll just put a bucket underneath me, ladies and gentlemen. You'll be able to hear me pissing during the episode. But um, I was yeah, definitely heavily anticipating this one. I was extremely bummed when they postponed it. I believe, again, it was March. I could be wrong on that. Um, but I, I will. Okay, there you go. Thanks. Thanks, young man, for correcting me. 
Uh, I will thank Blumhouse first and foremost for uh, allowing us to give away free passes to see the movie early for for audience members and such and for inviting us to such a event. But I, I absolutely uh, really enjoyed this movie. I definitely was not as blown away by it as it seems Jeremy was, but I appreciated pretty much every single thing about it. There is no fat to cut from the bone on this thing. Performances all around are fantastic. Ethan Hawke is just spellbinding. Um, under mask the entire time you just feel his presence I would say he's close to he's not quite to being there but the shark and jaws where the presence is felt throughout the entire film even if you don't see him you, you feel that he's lurking somewhere you don't know where he's going to be or what he's doing um, element which I really enjoyed and it's a short runtime so there's really not much it's, it's very plot light you know, the movie we're, we're going to do full spoilers ladies and gentlemen so if you have not seen the movie see the movie Come back, because there's not really much else to talk about other than what we see in the movie. Oh, I um, gotta go then. Uh, you saw it last night, Brady. Do you not remember? Were you that drunk? I'm Did you drink with that I, Thomas I guy? Remember. Did, no, you get hammered? Say, Did he give you some kind of substance? Yeah. I said, come on, Tommy boy. Let's peel back another toenail. Let's peel back another yeah. toenail. We gotta take that shirt off. Um, but I mean, like this is, um, and I've seen our friend Kellen from Kellen's Petty Talk Show mention this. This is the best Blumhouse release in a while and I totally agree with that Um, and this this is directed by Scott Derrickson and he was supposed to direct Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness creative differences happened he left that project Sam Raimi came on board and then he went off to do this movie and I'm really glad he did because that means we get this movie and we get a great Doctor Strange movie helmed by the amazing Sam Raimi all in the same year Um, this film is a nail biter for sure it's a great thriller and uh, I feel like as a character piece, it works best. However, I didn't really find it all that scary. And I think thrills are low in terms of like anything that really caught me off guard or anything. But I think for the most part, it worked. Yeah, I, okay. I think, I don't know, the grabber I found scary. Like he's a fucking scary, imposing figure. Was I scared in the movie? No. Was the imagery creepy? Fuck yeah, dude. Like Definitely creepy. Yes. Absolutely yeah. creepy, man. Well, I'll just go now. So if we no, go you back, won't. You have to ask I'm permission. Gonna, I'm gonna go, and you're gonna shut your fucking mouth. Or I'll call my dad up here. I am your uh, dad. We're both your dads. What are you talking about? My two dads. Uh, yeah, my two dads. That's our new podcast episode. Um, but uh, you know, if we go back to the episode we did, I think back in February, of most anticipated horror films. This was my number two, and it's it stayed up there. It was only beat by Scream Five Cream, and <laughs> I. Uh, I was really upset that they pushed it back, but you know, it just it made the anticipation that much greater. Uh, and like Jeremy, I wanted to stay away from trailers as much as I could, but I also was drawn to them. I just couldn't not watch them because, like you said, that mask is so powerful. Like that was the best part of the trailers. And you know, we all love Tom Savini on here. Maybe not as much as he loves himself, as his Instagram shows. Listen, no one loves Tom <laughs> Savini more than Tom Savini. But there's no denying that. I mean, his work here is fantastic. Um, it's a gritty, unnerving horror film that doesn't really pull any punches. I think, yes, it suffers from that second act where it kind of drags and gets almost tedious because it's adapted from a short story. So there's there's not a lot that you can put into an hour and a half long movie, you know, without it getting a little drawn out. Um, but the performances are just amazing. Mason Thames and Madeline McGraw as Finney and Gwen, and then Ethan Hawke as the Grabber. Like, we talked about it. This was his first, like, truly villainous role. Like, I know he was in Moon Knight as, like, the quote-unquote villain there, but I was doing some digging, and I was like, how has he not played a villain before? And he's got a quote here that he says, um, let me pull it up. 
he really, I mean, he was talking about Karloff and Lugosi. He says, I've always had this theory that when you teach an audience how to see the demon inside of you, they don't unsee it for the rest of your career. Jack Nicholson can be playing an accountant and you're still waiting for him to explode like he did in The Shining. But I realized I'm on the other side of 50 now and it's time to put a new tool in the toolkit. Villains might be my future. So, I love that, and and I love so. it too. I, I hope I hope this is the future for him. He's been great in everything I've seen him, and he was brilliant in The Northman. Um, yeah. I mean, he's absolutely spellbinding. He is mesmerizing in this fucking movie. And we can talk about him in a minute, but I think Justin, like you said, it, there were not a lot of parts that scared me about this movie. But what made it terrifying to me was its overall theme of abuse. Yes, and you and I talked about it a little bit last night, but you have the abuse of Finney and his sister by their dad. Who Dude, they they were already living with a monster when another yeah. monster abducted him. Like, dude, I have to tell you, man, I was so I will. I, you know, I just said that. It, oh, the movie wasn't really scary. I, t- I take that back. The dad to me was fucking scary also, man, because mm-hmm. he had this thing where obviously he was, you know, you watch the movie. He's an alcoholic, so he hates noise. And he hates loud noises. And you find out that he's abusive. So you, so these kids know, if I make a loud noise on accident, my dad's going to beat me. So these kids almost walk around this house tiptoeing to not make a loud noise so they don't get beat by their dad. Even something as tedious as grabbing a piece of toast for breakfast. You know, one of the drawers to where the toast is falls and hits the counter and it makes a loud noise and the dad takes a deep breath and he starts to put the newspaper down that he's reading, and the girl, she freezes, and her body tenses up, and she's like, I'm sorry, Daddy, and he's just like, <sighs> like, dude. And she's so sweet in those scenes, too. I she's know. so <laughs> in sweet. In scenes. She's a little firecracker, man. Dude, I know. She's like, dude, when she takes the fart rock to that kid's head, uh, when yeah, well, she beat that kid with the yeah. rock, I said, holy fuck. Yeah. But anyways, I, I think that the performances are what really make this film. Hold on. Can, Brady, can, can you can you do the impersonation of the dad and how he talked? Because he talked weird as fuck. Dude, I wanted to talk about that because I hated his performance. I uh, loved it. I loved it. Uh, do you guys forgive me? <laughs> can you guys forgive me? He's like, hey, baby, I told you. <laughs> I don't like when you talk about... The dreams that you have. Just the, because here's, the way he delivered those lines, know, man. Do we want to get into this right now? Because I, I have a couple of things I want to say about Jeremy Davies' performance. It was like he had no confidence in what he was fucking doing. It's he entirely possible. Out, he couldn't figure out where he was. And I get it. It's, it's a tough fucking person to be because you're remembered as the abusive alcoholic father who literally is beating your daughter with... Maybe he got hammered for real. Maybe he was going all method and shit. You know, and, I, I got to disagree <laughs> with this slightly, though. Um the abuse aspect of it was very real. So he actually was able to capture that perfectly. No, um, that's fine. I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing that I had an issue with his like fidgety, twitchy performances. I, I, attributed, I attributed that to the fact that he was an alcoholic and when he wasn't drinking or passed out from drinking, he was insanely hung over. And you yeah. could tell he didn't feel well because he was or literally... fiending. Fiending yeah, for his next drink. You could yeah. tell he was literally... Yeah drinking himself to death. I mean, even in the scene where he's beating Gwen, once he gets done beating her, when he's holding that glass of orange juice that he's poured the vodka and his hand is shaking. So I don't know. I, I dug his performance to each their own, obviously. Yeah. But the way that he delivered his lines were so fun. The, dude, the, one of the first times he talked in the movie, I was like, that is fucking weird. Like, just what a... 
I just wanted to tell what did, you. <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> what did you guys think of like the the drastic switch? So for a good half of the movie, he's like you hate him. Like he's beating his kids. He's, you know, just an awful parent. But then all of a sudden he's so he beats his daughter because the cops come. And he's like, you're not like your mom. You don't have dreams. You don't have the second sight. Well, there's there's a switch in the character, Brady, because when Finney gets abducted, he changes. There's a shift and in his character. I and that's like why it. he apologizes well, I mean, at the end. You're saying, oh, but that's the reason why he shifts. I get that's that the that's reason. the switch, but I don't like it. I think because he's still a monster. So would you have preferred monster. him remain a piece of shit? I mean, the yeah, thing is, is, is by that point in the movie, the focus is on the grabber. And they're building that aura around him to be the biggest evil of the film. Had they kept the father still like a drunk piece of shit asshole beating his child, it would have taken away from the effect of the grabber. So I, you could I just cut him out of the movie. I think you could have just left him out of the last half of the movie and you'd been fine. Okay. Really I mean, what you get from him, you get him driving the daughter and then you, which doesn't really do anything. And then you get him asking for forgiveness. At well, the no, end. I mean like there's all about, it's all about redemption, man. And I think this movie has a lot to say about that. And you know, people make mistakes so I don't I don't agree with that at all. Actually, I think that it was good to keep the father aspect in there because parents are very important, especially with what we're dealing with here. You being a big true crime aficionado, much like myself, this movie bases its story so much on you know Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy and a lot of those late seventies, yeah, early eighties abductions, even the black balloons and everything with him being a magician or, or pretending to be a magician. It's like the clown. Um, it's like Gacy is a clown. Yeah. Yeah, it's so creepy. But there, I mean, there's many stories if you watch. Every single documentary, which you and I have, Brady, where, you know, in the late 70s, there would be these guys that would show up with toys or Sam a magician or balloons or whatever to lure children in or candy. That that was always the thing I was told as a kid. If anyone offers you candy after school, you yep. stay away or whatever. So I think all of those elements work perfectly here. And I think that there are a lot of stories about parents that weren't the best parents, that when they lost their children they changed. And, you know, I mean, I get what you're saying in terms of the characterization and his performance of how a parent should be, but I think I'm glad that they they left that element in because it's important because they're children. And if there was no parent there at the end, it'd be like, where the fuck is the parent, you know? But if you if you notice... <laughs> the whole town would have been like, he's drinking. If you notice, a really powerful scene at the end is when he is begging for forgiveness. The two kids are only focused on embracing each other. That's and correct. And they're yeah. not focused on embracing the dad like it's okay dad they still look at their dad like the monster and they've always just relied on each other to get through the hard days and nights with an abusive father so they were both desperate just to get back to each other and they weren't openly embracing and forgiving of the dad at the end because ultimately he's been the monster that's been the constant in their lives which I thought that that was really powerful I also yeah. think that we, we, it's good. Sorry, Brady, not to cut you off no, there, no, but that we know there's a reason why he is the way he is. We we know now later on in the movie that their mother killed herself. Now there's this slightly supernatural element that flows throughout the film, and it's centered around this gift that uh, the mother had given to her daughter, and it, how that flows through the movie is kind of interesting not all of it worked but Brady I don't know if you want to touch on that at all with the phone ringing and everything after Finney gets abducted yeah so the the dad eventually tells Gwen uh, that you know your mom committed suicide because she kept having these voices telling her things that she had to do and then the voices told her she needed to do some awful things and kill herself and so he is justified a little bit in his worry uh, about her not necessarily his how his actions yeah 
Um, because he's like, I don't want you to keep telling people that you have these because that's what happened to your mom, and I don't want you to get taken away too. So he wants to beat the fucking psychic gift out of his daughter. Hey, that's uh, you know, kind of like Carrie. It's a very old school sensibility for sure. And it fits perfectly with the 1970s period, which, by the way, they absolutely Great. killed it in terms of costume design, production design, set design, the vibe, the feel, the score. Oh, man. Dude, all of those elements were I think his name perfect. is, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Brett Jukowitz? I, I think that's what it is. Good enough. I'm but sure he'll he let you know on, if you fucked it up He did work on bad. Ready or Not. <laughs> he worked on Five Cream. He's done some work on Stranger Things. And like when you look at, back at that, you're like, yeah, this all makes yep. sense. Like He knows what he's doing. Because this was just a darker, grittier version of Stranger Things, set-wise. Hey, Brady. That's that's how I felt. Your arm is mint. You almost had me. Dude. I Okay, let's get into these kids on the black phone. Because I thought that they were fucking great. Justin, I don't know how you feel about the kids. You can talk about it in a minute. But I think every time that that phone rang... And you talk to a different kid. So ju- one, just just you, so the you hadn't seen just it. so the audience knows. So once Finn gets kidnapped, he is the sixth kidnap victim. The yeah. phone there is a phone that is an antique phone that is attached to the wall, but the the cords and the wires have been split, so there's no electricity to it. It's impossible for the phone to properly work. You can't make any telephone calls on it, and all of a sudden the phone starts ringing, and Finn starts answering the phone, and it's. Every time it's one of the five previous victims that were murdered by the grabber, they're reaching out to him and pretty much they're telling, they're trying to help him get out of there alive. And they also tell him, you know, what to expect, what not to do, what to do. So he's literally talking to ghosts. Yeah. And what I liked about it is that when he's talking to the ghosts, you as the audience member, might pick up on who it is because you're like, oh, I recognize that voice from earlier in the film. But these kids don't know who they are anymore. Yeah. And this afterlife version of themselves where they haven't fully departed yet, they're like, I don't know. I just know what happened there. I know how I died. Yeah. Like, I know you, Finny, but you know things about me. And that's how he's able to piece it together. And they're like, like, there's one kid that he's like, oh, you're so-and-so. And he goes, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I I remember um, that I was the paper boy, and that's how I got taken. And yep. and he then he then the the kid who was the paper boy wants to be referred to as the paper boy because it doesn't matter to him what his name was anymore because he's no more. His only job yeah. and focus is trying to get Finny out of there. I thought the scenes were impactful. the The big one for me, probably the scariest part of the movie for me, is when the grabber leaves the door unlocked for the first time. And Finney's like, oh, shit, this is my chance. So he, like, goes to open the door, and the phone starts ringing, and he answered, and he's like, what? And they're like, don't do it. Don't go like, upstairs. Don't go up there. It's a, it's a trap. It's a game. Like, this is how he gets you. And then it cuts to the scene of the grabber sitting there shirtless oh, with the belt. Terrifying. I was like, holy fuck. Because that's like, I, I think that for me was the first time that I said, okay, this dude really is scary. Like, yes, he abducted the kids. You can put two and two together and say that he doesn't have good intentions, but... He had come in acting all sweet and kind of like childish almost, like almost like a Pennywise. And then this is the first time that you see him for what he is. It's like he is just sinister. And what I love about that so much is that we don't, you know, we don't actually even know any reasoning at all whatsoever. You know, the man behind the monster. I'm so thankful that they did not go into a backstory. We don't know anything about this guy, what his true intentions are other than harming and killing these boys. It makes it way better I mean we've always been of the mind at least I have where it's scarier when you don't know where the monster came from or his reasoning 
we know what can happen if they go too in depth in regards to that. It it's kind of just scary. removes all that aura, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then so you have Finney dealing with the black phone while Gwen is trying to pray to Jesus or whatever power <laughs> is up there with her slew of Christian items and. Uh, you know, so that she can get these dreams because she has these dreams and she can see these kids when they got murdered or, or see bits and pieces of what happened when they were taken. And she's trying to piece them all together to find Finney. I thought that was well done. I, I think the second act, while it drags, like it it could have gone a little more into Gwen's story and shows more, more dream sequences, I think. But overall, the shorter runtime and the performances really pad that second act. For I'm, I'm going to jump real quick to, towards the end of the film. I have never wanted to jump up in the theater and scream, fuck, yes, get that motherfucker, yes! That finale, when Finn and the Grabber have their showdown, was fucking epic. I fucked him loved up, it. I <laughs> Dude, when his mask comes off it. his eyes and he's like, ah! Yeah, like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like holy shit. Not, not to reference a movie that Justin loves, but uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween... Um, <laughs> you know, in, in that hey, version hey. of Halloween, yeah. Michael Myers needed the mask in order to kill, and that's how he wanted the world to see him rather than his true face, because he he found his true face to be ugly and, and worse than the mask. In this film, they don't really go into why the Grabber wears the masks, but the moment in the finale where Finn knocks the mask on, off of him, it was like somebody pulling the curtains and sunlight coming in and hitting Dracula the way that he reacted to his face being exposed. Or pulling the curtain on the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, very much yeah. so. Like, you're, you're removing that that facade away from him. That's his power, and you're taking it from him. Oh, very much so. And funny you mention Rob Zombie's Halloween, Jeremy, because in the beginning of this movie, I felt like there were a lot of comparisons there um, in terms of the bullying aspect, which, I yep. mean, I would say even took it further than what Rob Zombie did Absolutely. in his Halloween movie. The opening of the movie, we see... Two young children fighting each other, and one of them literally beats the living shit out of the other kid. And you're seeing him pounding his face and blood gushing out all over the place. And what I love about this is it deals with bullying in a very realistic and serious way. It's not trying to beat around the bush. It it doesn't, like Brady said earlier, it does not pull any punches at all whatsoever. It is what it is, and it represents a time and place in our society when things were like that. I mean, I remember it was the 90s when I was growing up, and I got the shit beat out of me all of the time so you know no i agree um i think it's just a a film that really earns that that hard r rating for me oh it it doesn't sure it doesn't shy away from it and like jeremy you're saying pg-13s are all over the place but i think we finally got like a real r rated gritty uh suspenseful nail-biting horror film with a great central horror villain that Man, you know Trick or Treat Studios is going to come out with these masks if they haven't already. Um, oh yeah, and you know that yeah, they even announced it yet because I'm, I'm telling you they will be. It's, they probably oh, one hundred percent. As long as this movie does well, and let's pray that it does well because even though I wasn't as hot on it as the two of you seem to be, I still really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, uh, everything in place in the movie works well. I mean, the relationship between the brother and the sister. And, you know, we talked about Ethan Hawke so much. Dude, seriously, Mason Thames as Finney is brilliant. The whole movie is on top of this kid's shoulders because most most of the majority of the movie takes place with him locked up in this basement. And it would have been a make or break situation if, if he was not good. And he is absolutely fantastic, fantastic in this role. Dude, I think 
I don't know how you guys feel about this, but we are having some fantastic like child actors in horror. Absolutely, movies. you got Jacek Tremblay who was in Doctor Sleep. You got this kid who plays Finney. Uh, Haunting of Hill House had a slew of them. I think you had like Lulu Wilson and Julian Hilliard, who also came up in Wanda, um, Doctor Strange, uh, two, whatever that was called. Uh, I, I just think that they're all. Don't forget, me and Jeremy mentioned it last night, but another movie that's similar to this, The Boy Behind the Door, yes, that was a Shutter yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. The kids in that movie were fantastic, and yeah. this is, and you know, one another one added to the list of these abduction movies. Yeah, you know who? Uh, great, so great the the lead character it was Mason Thames. Is that correct? That's right. So yep. you know who he reminded me of was a young Shia LaBeouf. Like when Shia LaBeouf was around that age. Like just his voice and a lot of his mannerisms. Voice and the hair, the hair too. Yeah, though. and the hair too. Fits, yeah. I, I caught some some big Shia LaBeouf vibes for sure from him. Yeah, and one last thing I want to say about Ethan Hawke because I I just don't think that I can say how great he was in this as a villain. Is I think that you could argue that he is getting up there like at the same level as Patrick Wilson in horror, like modern day horror. Absolutely. Like everybody associates Insidious, Conjuring with Patrick Wilson, and like he's. We'll a think. Big we'll think Ethan Hawke has the first. Purge movie, Sinister. 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 Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, so, he definitely. And he I, did uh, First Reformed, which is a great movie on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, check brilliant out. film, brilliant is film. Is it a horror film? Check that out. Yeah, it's like psychological okay. horror. Psychological. It's like elevated horror. Ah. You, know, you, you might not get it. Brady, um, that term I'm is woke, never dog. to be spoken on Brain Stew ever again. That's a false oh. title that does not <laughs> exist. I want to redact my previous <laughs> statement. <laughs> Anyways, hashtag fuck elevated horror does not exist. Let's get into it then. Let's let's trash it. Trash it or treasure it. You went first. Let's go. I love this movie. You know, before this, I think X was probably my favorite horror movie this year so far. This one, this one beat it for me, man. I I loved this movie so far. This is my favorite horror film. Hold on. What what was your favorite horror movie so far this year? Before this, uh. Man, X or Texas Chainsaw 2022. One of the two. I don't know. Um, but I, I can I can say with confidence that The Black Phone is, is now my favorite horror film that I've seen this year. Like I said earlier, it checked off all the marks for me for what I want in a horror film. And it delivered a highly entertaining, suspenseful movie where kids are getting fucking murdered by this terrifying villain and... I was there for it. I didn't know anything about this movie really going into it, and I loved every minute of it. I walked out super stoked. It made the hellacious two-hour drive to Silver Spring, Maryland <laughs> totally worth it for me. Always worth it, though. Yeah. Always, right? Uh, I stopped in a gas station that I guess was not in the best part of town on the way home because I was like, I oh, man, I feel like I need an energy drink, and there was, like, bulletproof glass in there, and I was like, oh, I'm, like, in a bad spot. And then I got even more concerned when I purchased my energy drink the cashier literally said, all right, man. And he looked at me concerned. He goes, be safe. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but that's no, because you were wearing a thing hoodie and he knew someone was going to rob that shit from you. That, 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 that could be it. <laughs> but the grabber was outside. Uh, dude, I was, I, I was, I did white guy speed. I did white guy speed blues. walk to my car. So, uh, I, I love this movie. Treasure, treasure, treasure. Perfect. Justin. Uh, yeah. I mean, most definitely, even though I was not blown away by this film, 100% treasure it. I think everyone should see this movie, not just horror fans, but if you just want a good nail-biting, thrilling experience, there's great performances. It's a great period piece. I'm all about those period pieces. Not many period. movies anymore try to take place in the 70s, and 
it feels like the 70s. If anything, minus the child abduction part, I just wanted to be transported back to that fucking awesome store where there were kids drinking outside. Starlog magazines. Dude, a whole fucking rack of Starlog magazines. And also something we didn't bring up unless I was pissing and didn't recall it. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is mentioned more than once in this Multiple movie. Multiple times, so yeah. Fuck yes for that. Um, yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, Ethan Hawke right here. Uh, I would love to say this is a great character that could continue on in sequels, though the film does not lend itself to do that. But man, it would have been cool to see this character return in some way. Who knows? They could always do a prequel. They don't really talk about like the, anything that happened before this, so you don't it's know. totally possible. Yeah, you don't know. He could have been in another town before abducting these five victims. So there could definitely be prequels should this this movie make a shit ton of money. I, I hope it does. I at least hope it makes back its budget and does well and it's successful. Brady? Yeah. So yeah, I'm treasuring it 100%. Go see it. What do you think, man? I already know oh, what you think, but I'm just going to ask for anyway. For me, it's a 100% treasure it. Uh, very highly anticipated film for me. Uh, there were, I think it missed a couple things for me, but overall, I, I love this film. Uh, I want to go see it again already. It could be one of the only movies that I actually buy a physical copy of because uh, everything is going to be streaming now. But I, I just, it's a mixture of what both of you said. Like, it's strong performances. It's it's Derrickson's vision for, I think he's just like Ty West where they can transport you to this different period and you're just- Which is very hard to do, by, by yes. the way. And they just, they do it perfectly here. One, uh, For instance, I think one person that who didn't do it well was Rob Zombie. So- you know, I, I think that it could be hit or miss with the aesthetic. Um, overall, though, there's not much that I can say about this film that I already haven't, but I think that it's going to appeal to both the hardcore horror fans who are going to be very entertained by it and then also more casual viewers who are going to get the jump scares they are going to get the thrills out of it because they're not so used to it. And I think that it's just the best of both worlds. It's, it's a classic it, It's a classic suspense-driven movie rather than a traditional haunted house something pops out behind the dark and and it makes you jump. And I just, before we finish this off, Jeremy, you were there. I want to shout out a giant, go fuck yourself to that lady that brought in all of her small children to the screening last night. This woman walked by me and she had three or four very small under 10 years old children. And I'm not saying children Mm -hmm. shouldn't watch horror at a young age, but this movie in particular dealt with some very serious themes of child abuse and some really uncomfortable things that I feel like, a child should be talked to about before they see it in a fucking fantasy setting in a movie. Um, and she was walking in and I swear to God, I was like, Oh, you're, you're here for light year. That's like down there. And then I saw her piece of paper that she had gotten the past to see the movie. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, you're bringing your children to this. Like, okay, fine. Yeah, but l- luckily the children didn't, they didn't make any noises or anything, but seriously, ladies and gentlemen, they like, were too scared to they're, Having a traumatic experience. Dude, I mean, think think before you take your kids to the movie theater. And again, I, I have friends that have shown their kids horror movies at a really young age, but this is not the one, okay? Context, man. Yeah. But mm-hmm. any final thoughts before we finish up, guys? Go to a theater and see the black phone. See it. Please Immediately. Do. See it. Immediately. Yeah, well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That is our Fresh Frights review of Scott Derrickson's The Black Phone from Blumhouse out in theaters as of the release of this episode on this date. So go see this shit if you haven't already. And again, thanks to Blumhouse for those passes and letting us see the movie early. If you like what you're hearing, yo, Jeremy's going to tell you where to go. Oh, I just, I need for y'all to get rid of the dreams. (laughs) Dude, you're like your dad, you're like your mama and you have the dreams and that's where you find us on the Instabook. The Instabook? Okay. The Instabook.
I'll beat you, Brady, like your dad's dick swinging like, <laughs> like a pendulum. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to show us some love, we're on social media at Epic Film Guys on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can always leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. It's even easier there. Let us know what you're thinking of the show. Hashtag and Brady's dad's peacup. Yeah, there you go. Or daddy's his <laughs> daddy's, daddy's piss cup. Uh, but um, also we have a Patreon. Uh, early access to episodes and all that nonsense, and all it's always fun. And uh, you get exclusive you're episodes there it. as well. You will love it. Yeah, of course. But uh, until next time, I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm B Ratty. And as always, we like to ask you to keep it creepy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>